0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Welcome in to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. As always, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network, fueled by our friends at Cody Road. Recording today from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Studio. Of course, it's Football and Random Things on a Monday morning. And Football and Random Things is brought to you by our friends at Wiffles Hybrids. Every year, corn growers have a choice to make. And that choice is like a stake in the ground, one that says staying independent, staying family owned, and means something on your farm. So plant your independence, plant wiffles.
0: When you do that, when you do that read, can you read it like the guy who does the commercials for Learfield does that ad read? Have you heard that yet? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I want like just a little bit of home. Next time you have the chance, just listen to... A-, a Walters or heft or any of the pre the actual pregame show because we're usually working at that point but just get the chance it's like they got Sam Elliott or someone like Sam Elliott to do that yeah. and it is the most dramatic and impressive commercial I look forward to it every single time whoever whoever's in charge of Wiffle's casting of that voice read beautiful the Absolutely people who beautiful. the
1: people who do ad reads professionally for a living like that's all they do voice people are built different, dude. I like I can't I couldn't do voice work, you know. I don't have the voice to go and do dramatic readings of ads and things like that. But Sam Elliott, James Earl Jones, people who are like known for those their voice, those guys are built different. Pipes of gold.
0: Just absolute
1: pipes of gold. Yeah. All right. I'd much rather talk about Sam Elliott and James Earl Jones doing voice work for Wiffles Hybrids than Iowa State's ten to nine loss to Kansas State on Saturday. Uh, there's a lot of uh there's some uh some some discontent right now, Jeff. People are a little fired up.
0: After 3 straight losses? What are you talking about? Fans three, would never.
1: 3 straight losses?
0: What's it been? 6
1: quarters since they scored a touchdown now?
0: Yeah, that's uh I think it's it's understandable to be as frustrated as the fan base is because the thing is is like you know, I was talking about this on the way out and and I I feel like just because of how much and you can probably attest to this too, how much you cover the team and also me having played, I try and detach myself from the emotion of the event as much as I can because like, when you're playing, emotion is going to get you beat because it makes you get caught up in the moment and try stuff that's dumb or it lets you get too down when the moment's bad and then you you don't have the confidence to actually accomplish things. So I try and detach myself as much as I can. So as I was leaving, I was trying to, figure out like rationally how to feel about three straight losses. And the difference is the the defense has been other than Baylor, when like, you know, there's a couple blown plays, but other than a couple plays against Baylor and then a couple blown plays against Kansas State, the defense has been outstanding. Today the special teams or today the, the game against Kansas State was outstanding. And the offense has been really bad. Not just kind of bad. The offense has been awful for the past 10 quarters. And the frustrating part is that we saw the offense be as efficient as it's been in recent memory in the two games when they were playing lesser competition earlier in the year. And I feel like those first few games made it. So we kind of got spoiled and our expectations got a little bit blown up with like, Decker's going, you know, 24 of 28 for three touchdowns, no interceptions and 285 yards. And then you see this offense do what it's done the last few weeks. And you go the hell. Cause it's not like, you know, contrasting the natural contrast is to Iowa and how Iowa has, you know, the Iowa's offense has been inept for a long time. And you go, well, how can, why, why, are why is Iowa state's offense functioning as poorly over the last few games as I was, and the feeling to me feels a little different where Iowa fans are just like despondent, you know, it's like poking a, the whole poking a dead guy with a stick thing. It's just, there's no, they haven't shown signs of life to make you believe that they can actually get back up. And the frustrating part with Iowa state is that we've seen it, you know, it's, it's again, basketball equivalent. It's the Gabe Kalcher frustration last of last year, where there would be two or three games where he shoots, you know, six five of eight from three, scores eighteen points, uh, defensive lockdown, and then the next four games makes one three-pointer on eighteen attempts. And you go, It's not that I'm watching Shaquille O'Neal shoot a three and knowing that you're missing it, because the expectation isn't that Shaquille O'Neal makes threes. It's that I know I've seen you do it and you're not doing it. And so when I was leaving the stadium, I was thinking Part of the frustration I think that the fans are feeling is that a month ago, we were having the conversation that one, this offense, the offensive line had finally at least started to figure it out because they pushed Iowa around. They had run the ball when they needed to, they had the 99 yard drive. And other than the, the turnovers they had in the Iowa game, Iowa State's offense pushed around Iowa. And now, that's not the case. The offensive line looks totally out of sorts because there's false starts. There's holding, not, I don't think there was any holding calls against the offensive line, but there's false starts. There's unblocked defenders. There's no, absolutely no running game. And it's the contrast. Again, Iowa has no hope. It didn't, it doesn't look like that. That's the frustration. Iowa State has. And so our expectations got really set, set really high early in the year. And now they've kind of really been missed over the past three weeks. And I think that's probably. To me, the cause of the greatest frustration is that yeah, we've seen it happen, and now it's not happening. Why is there such a disconnect between last month and this month?
1: I think we maybe underestimated the unsustainability of, uh, or overestimated the sustainability of of being. I mean, of of the the targeting X as much as they have relying on him as much as they have over the long term. I mean, I. This is a perfect example of this and why I keep bringing this up. Uh, on Saturday night, X was targeted 17 times in the game. He targeted seven times in the first half. There were 16 targets to everybody else in the first half. They threw the ball for 150 yards. In the second half, Hunter attackers targeted X 10 times on 15 attempts, and they threw for 50 yards in the second half of the game. He targeted X on the first five pass plays of the second half.
0: And that's not completed. That is targeted. That's targeted. Throwing, I'm throwing at you. Yeah, throwing. It's I'm th- throwing at you on five
1: of on five of, or six of the first seven passes of the second half. They threw the ball to X. I'm the reason I bring that up. If you're wearing white and silver on Saturday night and you're lining up and you realize, man, it seems like this quarterback is throwing the ball to Xavier Hutchinson a lot of times. It's probably going to get harder and harder to try and throw the ball to number eight as the game goes along because I think that these guys are pretty damn smart. I think everybody realizes that. These guys are pretty damn smart. They pick up on those things. It's going to get harder and harder to throw the ball to eight. And you got to be able to spread the ball around. I don't know if that's someone's got to get open or you got to find them or what the deal is. But they were in a good rhythm in the second half when they're spreading the ball around. You're getting Jalen some catches. You're getting Demetrius Stanley the ball a little bit. Deshaun Haneke had a big catch. All those other guys were basically non-existent in the second half. Well,
0: might and as I well think, have not been out there. And I think this is a natural conversational lead-in to like i put out a tweet on saturday night just there was a huge amount of like right after the game gets over and everybody's really pissed off and everybody's just you know when the offense doesn't work the natural frustration comes down in some one of these three areas either the offensive line is bad the quarterback is bad or the coordinator is bad one of those three things and you can you can cherry pick whatever stat you want to have to push whatever whatever thought process is there and it's rational because and like the difference is there, it's justifiably bad the offense is bad for the last two games it's not even questionable or debatable the offense is not good but then the, the conversation is that you need to fire the offensive coordinator because the offense is bad so bringing that that targeting Xavier Hutchinson Basically, two two out of every three passes is getting thrown at number eight. Do you think that Tom Manning is saying to Hunter Decker's on every pass play, throw it to one guy?
1: No, no, and that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, there guys are getting open. You can see it if you watch it on. I mean, you may can't see it as well on TV, but if you're in person and you're watching the other people, like Demetrius Stanley's getting open down the field. You're not, and he's not throwing the ball. You know, there has to come a point where you're looking at people besides number eight. You're not zeroing in on number eight from the snap, watching what he does, and then either getting sacked or throwing the ball to number eight.
0: <laughs> and and so the, the and I think it, just to back up one step is the reason why. So, like, I don't think firing Tom Manning is the right thing to do. No. And so we can get into the statistics, but it's like three of the top five. I oh, mean, I you, got have, the stats, you I got have the stats the stats in front of you. Okay, I so got Just him. just to. to Because I know the the natural arguments, and this isn't me like uh, playing Mr. Deflection of, you know, never the right idea to fire the offense coordinator. It's never the right idea to bench the quarterback, because I think Brian Ferentz should be fired. It's not going to happen, but there's no hope for that offense. It doesn't make any sense. That's not the case with Tom Manning and Iowa State. And so, okay, one of the arguments is they've been bad for a while, but they've been shielded by great players that, you know, Charlie Kolar or Brees Hall or whatever, they're doing something to make this bad predictable play calling work. And it's, they're getting a lot of yards, but they're not getting a lot of points or whatever. So let's, okay, just let's first take that argument off the table. So here, here's why that is not true.
1: All right. So uh, this is the top or the school records for points per game. Uh, in a single season for Iowa State offensively. <clears throat> the number two offense in Iowa State history, 32.9 points per game in 2020. The number three, 32.2 2 in 2019. Number four, 31.3 in 2021. number f- Tied for number five, 29.2 in 2017. Uh, total offense, number one, 2019. Number two, 2021. Number four, 2020. Number five, 2016. Number seven, 2017. Passing yards, number one, 2019. Number two, 2017. Number three, 21. Uh, Number six, 2016. I mean, it it's nearly every offensive category and, besides, and besides what, rushing yards, which rushing yards, it doesn't It's not the same because of the way that football was played for 100 and, years.
0: And what year wasn't involved in that? 2018 what, is not what, in any of these lists. And who was not the coordinator in 2018? Yeah. And they
1: still have a lot of those same players you mentioned. They were
0: just young. Same players. In 2018, Tom Manning wasn't the offensive coordinator. He left and then came back. So in 2018, of those school records that existed with the same players, 2018 isn't on that list. And all the other years, there is at least one top five school record, 2016 on to now through last year in points, yards, total offense. So let's just get get that off the board because if that was the case where players are Uh, the players are making the difference in 2018. I believe that was still uh, that was Brock Purdy's first year. That was Charlie Kolar, Hakeem Butler and David Montgomery was still there. That offense was not in the top five of all the statistics. So that's, let's take the fact that Tom Manning has been propped up by these other great players. Let's move that off the table because objectively that's not true. It feels like it is, but that's not true. Now, the second portion of this is that I think there's a misunderstanding of how a lot of times pass plays get called or plays generally get called. So how plays get called are there's a checklist that goes from, from the play call. It's usually there's going to be some type of the first thing you're going to look at is protection, which you come out and am I protected enough to get the ball off because on a three-step drop out of the shotgun is the equivalent of a five-step drop under center. And uh, basically one step drop is the same as a three step drop under center. So basically from shotgun, it's a one step drop or a three step drop, a five step drop out of a a shotgun is basically non-existent because that's the equivalent of a seven step drop. And you, maybe you take one of those plays a game. So it's a one-step drop or a three-step drop. On a one-step drop, ball's got to be out in 1.7 seconds. And on a three-step drop, ball's got to be out in 3.2 seconds. That's the timeline that you have there. So when you know, the first thing that you're looking at is, do I have the protection to get the ball out on rhythm on time? So let's make sure that we have this. this it, it, do I roughly know where everybody's going to get blocked to and how the mechanics of this work are the quarterback and the center are going to work back and forth with each other and say, all right, we're going to be setting the blocking scheme. So we send the zone blocking side or whatever. I don't know how you reset the scene is we're going to set this blocking scheme and we're going to set the ID off of or Mike or whatever you want to call it off number 52, the linebacker. And from there, the center is going to say, okay, quarterback says that we're setting the protection off 52. So, hey, left guard, you do this, left tackle, you do that, right guard, you do this, right tackle, you do this, the running back's going to get somebody in between. So the quarterback in the center, or the quarterback sets who they're setting the protection off of with the center, and then the center gets everybody else set up, and the running back picks up whoever is left. Then the second checklist is, if we've got a play called, and there's two guys on the right and two guys on the left, if, the, if it looks like it's a, depending on the play and depending on the reads, and some are going to go different orders in this. If it's a middle closed, meaning there's a safety in the middle of the field, then you should probably play the left side because the routes there there's different openings in a middle closed defense. So the the routes run on the left side are better against a middle closed look. And if there's a middle open look, then I'm probably going to play the right side because those routes are called and they're probably better against a middle open look. Now the the first pass protection check depending on the team is you might have a man or a zone read where if it looks like it's man eyes and that's why they do all those little mini zip motions or where Jalen Noel runs like five yards sideways and back is to see if somebody follows them. If it's man, look to the right. If it's zone, look to the left. And then from there you say it's middle open man. So it's probably two man under the, I probably should look to the right side. And because of that, let's say Demetri Stanley's the first option and Xavier Hutchinson is the second option. Sean Shaw is the third option. And maybe and it's depending on the quarterback. You might not even get to three and four. It might be read one, read two, run or read one, read two, check. Now no coordinator on the face of God's green earth is calling a play with one single person at the top of every single route decision, because you can't, because you don't know what the court, the defense is going to run. So if, Let's say I really want to get Xavier Hutchinson the ball, which is probably true. Like the whole Randy ratio thing when Randy Moss is in Minnesota. If I want to get Randy Moss, the ball there might be the only way to do that is we have to call a play that regardless of the coverage, regardless of the protection, I've got to throw it to number 84 and Mike Tice got in hot water for that because even though he's Randy Moss, you still run into trouble because you can't force the ball into coverage when the defense knows it's coming. So Tom Manning calls a play. They go through the checklist. At, when he calls any play on earth, the court it's the quarterback's job then to go through the list of who should get the ball. Xavier Hutchinson might be on the backside of the play away from where the play should go and he should be looking to the other side because of that's what the coverage and route are going to dictate. So he should probably be throwing over there. There isn't a play in the playbook where he is going to tell him which side to pick before the defense shows up on the field. So... Why are they throwing so many goddamn drag routes at two yards across the middle? If so, let's take this thought process for a second. When I go to set my routes, I at least have some concept of if, if I put number eight all the way to the wide side of the field, they're probably going to shift their protection over to him. And they're going to put one guy down low. And if I run him across the middle, then I'm going to at least bring one set of eyeballs with him. And there's probably another guy that's going to be at least paying attention to number eight. So if two of the guys that are in protection are looking at somebody, I can probably, I probably have called a pass play that I'm supposed to read the other side. And number eight is exclusively there to distract from something else, unless the defense shows something weird. So why are we running so many goddamn drag routes? It's to pull eyeballs. So you throw somewhere else. But what doesn't happen is that Decker's will he'll see that and anytime there's a little bit of pressure he'll he'll panic and the only guy that he trusts to get the ball to is number 8. So regardless of where he is in the pecking order, the ball's going to number 8, which that's the inherent disconnect between what the plays being called and the plays being executed are. Now, if I do have a gripe with manning which i don't think that he's calling perfect games because clearly the running game's not working and clearly we're throwing too many drag routes across the middle if you know that your quarterback defaults to throwing to number eight almost all the time we should probably call routes that even if they're going to be double covered if we're going to be forcing the ball to number eight because that's kind of what happened again 10 out of 15 targets go to number eight if we're going to be forcing the ball to number eight. Let's at least get number eight in a position where if he catches it, he has a chance to get a first down because those drag routes underneath to try and draw eyeballs away. That ball should not go to him unless absolutely there is nothing going on or he's going to get a helmet to the mouth like that. There's no reason for the ball to go there. So perhaps in the, in the upcoming games is when you feel like Deckers is getting frustrated and you can't get him out of his own head is start calling plays where at least Hutchinson becomes a, a reasonable threat down the field that in the potential like decision tree of where things are going to go his the threat of number eight becomes reasonable because right now when you're calling which is a justifiable thought is if i can induce protection that half of the secondary is on one guy all my receivers should be open like that's a reasonable theory but that's not how things are happening so the the real fix on this is like get Decker's emotions under control because whether it's fear or nervousness or anger or uh, frustration or whatever in the first quarter, I think I had the stats up in the first quarter, Iowa state threw for 153 yards on like eight of 11 passing or something like that because he was comfortable. He hadn't been hit yet. So he was actually going through his reads. He was going through progressions. He was spreading the ball around. He was finding everybody that was open. But then when he gets pissed off and he gets frustrated or he gets hit or he gets nervous or he gets not sure what he's thinking or whatever, like something goes wrong and goes haywire and gets frustrated, then he starts just forcing the ball to number eight. So if you get to that point, so again, the proper answer, find a way that you can get him to be to stay comfortable. If you can't do that, then at that point, you have to switch and say, all right, well, number eight is going to have to get near the first down marker and let's try and find a route that he can win on even against some type of double coverage because Deckers can maybe pinpoint one in there. So it's not perfect. And obviously the running game, we're going to talk about that in a second, but like those drag routes over the middle, they're not meant to be thrown. That's meant to be an absolute safety valve. If the first and second options aren't there and you can't run and pressures in your face right away at that point, maybe throw the crosser. But like, those are not the intended recipients of that. So when you're saying like, hey, Manning, why the hell are we calling so many drag routes across the middle? You have to. Somebody has to run that route. And just what I would like to see more is that it's not Xavier Hutchinson being the one that runs that route underneath, because then you're probably going to get that ball thrown to him once Deckers gets frustrated.
1: Well, and it's it's funny because there's times where you can see he's I mean, they use X. You can see how they're using X as a decoy. Like you can see how they're trying to execute this thing, you know. And there were several times, you know, the play that he throws, the ball he throws to Deshaun Hanukkah down the sideline on the maybe their second drive. I think the first time they went down there and kicked a field goal, and it was about twenty-five yard gain or so. I mean, they faked the screen to X, and then he threw it over the top to Hanukkah. Like those are the kinds of things. Like they can, you can see the amount of attention that he's he's drawing. But there's too many times where he's doing it. He'll watch X run all the way across the field, then try and throw the ball to somebody else. It's watching him too long. You know, yeah. It's like you can't watch number eight run his entire route and then decide you're gonna throw the ball to somebody else.
0: You know, yeah, and it's just there's again, no timing there. And I don't know, I don't know basketball as well as you do, but it feels like what they're trying to use X for because again, every coverage it especially again, one because they're not running the ball effectively, which again, we'll get into that after we get off this topic. They're not running the ball effectively, so teams don't have to commit extra bodies, especially Kansas State, who runs the same defense that Iowa State does. You can leave your three safeties back. You don't have to put your version of Bo Freiler up in the box to stop the run because the linebackers and defensive line are going to take care of it because the running game isn't good enough. So now I have basically have an extra bonus defender because that guy doesn't have to be in the box. So what should I do with that extra bonus defender? Probably put him on number eight. So if I can then command that. So again, I don't know basketball as well as you do, but it feels like when you have a dead eye shooter, you got Tyrus McGee and... You're going to do, you know that that team is going to try and mug Tyrus McGee and deny him the ball and chase him around every single screen. And if they do that, they're going to hedge the screen. So then you just take the guy who's actually setting the screen and roll it, right? You're going to, because they're so aggressive on trying to get Tyrus McGee stopped that they forget about the guy who's setting the screen. All of a sudden you have this open dunk right down the middle because they lost track of everybody else because they're so concentrated on number eight. That's the football equivalent of what they're doing with number with Xavier Hutchinson it's just not working right now because again they can't run the ball and Deckers is just deciding too early and too fast that damn it the ball is going to number eight. So like the the problems are bigger and different than p- calling stupid plays because the plays aren't called wrong they're executed wrong.
1: Yeah, and I mean I just, Hunter's progression like it just. There's some, there's just different things that you pick up on when you watch the game where you that he has to continue to grow. I mean, we've talked about the being able to change speeds with his throws. I mean, some of the times when he's, I mean, he's throwing the ball 100 miles an hour. You know, and it's like the first play of the game. I think that they ran. He tried to throw a hitch to X, and it it was a little bit too high, but and it goes through X's hands. But it's like, man, he's like eight yards away, and you just threw it 110. You know, it's like. Uh, dial it back. We need you at 97 for the entire game, not at 107 for a quarter, you know, and he, I, I use this analogy. I think last week, he reminds me of a pitcher who can't locate his fastball. To where then, so then he can't use any of his other stuff because he just can't even throw his fastball for a strike right now, you know. And then everything kind of starts to snowball on him, where then he does start to press and he starts to try and be perfect. And you can't be perfect, I mean, just realistically, you're not gonna be perfect, you have to be as good as you can be. And I don't know, it is uh not ideal though. But I mean, well, like, Jalen Noel and like, is... and some of these guys are really good players, <laughs> like, yeah, you gotta get are. them involved, you know.
0: Well, and I think he will, like, And that's the thing that that everybody gets really frustrated with when and deservedly so three straight losses with under Matt Campbell I don't even know when was it 2016 was the yeah, last time they lost year, three in a a row. Year, yeah. this is the first time in six years that we've had to experience three consecutive losses and it feels weird because you should have won two of those games mm-hmm. you can't tell me that both the games against the Kansas schools you shouldn't have won Baylor yeah. all right you you got us on that one Bailey should be that that was a loss but you make two out of the three field goals that Jace Gilbert despite the fact the offense has not been good you make two out of those three field goals you win a game against Kansas State their last three drives they got zero first downs if you get remotely close you get to the 30 yard line and let Gilbert go out there kick that field goal you win 12 to 10. You should have won those games. They had every opportunity to win those games. And that's, again, another reason for the frustration is that it's right there. And you're, you know, six plays from being five and one and near, you're not at the top of the conference, but you're damn near at the top of the conference at five and one. And that's, again, it's You're in the hunt at
1: that point. Yeah, you're in
0: the hunt. It is understandable to be as frustrated as the fan base is because of how off the offense has been. But like talking about Deckers, the, we i i feel like we should legitimately like trademark the caleb williams effect yeah because it it's true and so i was going back and just to again to, to like refresh my own memory because like maybe we're just overblowing this that it's just every once in a while who is the best quarterback in iowa state history mm, brock purdy yeah you can make a case for seneca wallace right but It's it's good. It's called Brock because, again, pretty much every record in the book he owns. So Caleb Williams effect. What is the Caleb Williams effect for those that are not necessarily super loyal listeners? It's that uh, the first three games of a new quarterback's tenure, the defenses don't know what they don't like. And so you pretty much have carte blanche because they're running a base defense or something that they think might work and they don't have any game film on you. But after three games ish. The defenses start to understand what you don't like, and they start to then force you into things that you don't like to do. And you have to start playing against your own tendencies. So Brock Purdy in 2018, so he had three games um, and then Kansas, which Kansas in 2018 was as bad as kansas has been so let's just include that in the because that doesn't really count like they were so bad they couldn't actually do anything so the his first three games plus kansas were oklahoma state west virginia texas tech and kansas they are four no in those games and brock's totals were 66 percent completion percentage for 271 yards three touchdowns half an interception and a, a average of 50 yards rushing in those four games and again they were undefeated after teams then had game film on him the rest of the season, which were Baylor, Texas, Kansas State, Drake, and Washington State, his that Drake averages- game
1: you can throw out the window, man. That was like a it's like a snowstorm. Like, how much can you hold him accountable for? Th- he was playing in a blizzard.
0: <laughs> Do you think that if you th- if you put Patrick Mahomes out, oh, Patrick Mahomes got beat sixty six to ten. But if you put Josh Allen out in a blizzard, Josh Allen still going to complete passes? Yeah, well, Brock Purdy's not Josh Allen either. And Josh Allen's like one of the five best quarterbacks on the planet. That's why I'm saying. It's like, if you're good, you're good. So let's, okay, just the averages then are six, still 66% completion percentage for 230 yards, averaging less than a touchdown per game, averaging one interception per game. The team goes three and two, and he's averaging only 22 yards rushing across those five games. So his rushing gets cut in half. His touchdowns get cut by more than 30 or by more than 70%. His interceptions double. His completion percentage is the same. And his yards drop by 40 yards per game. They lose two out of five. So even the best quarterback in Iowa State history for five games after teams figured out what his film was, they were able to do things that make him not feel comfortable. Deckers right now is his third game of the Caleb Williams effect. And against Kansas is again, I don't think Kansas is as good as what their record indicates. But you, the games that you're playing, once teams have game film, are Dave Aranda and then Kansas State, which is, again, arguably one of the best defenses. Then you got to go to get into Texas, which hit or miss, depending on how motivated they feel. You have these really hard games coming out of what figuring out what defenses like about you and what they don't like about you. He's in for a rough go, and he's having a rough go. It's just really freaking frustrating to see him go through this because we want and have seen him be better.
1: Yeah, this Texas game makes me nervous, but we'll talk more about that uh, in just a little bit. The and okay, that well, this is where it comes back to. If he's going through these struggles, you have to be able to run the football to take some pressure off of them, and they can't. They haven't been able to run the football. I I don't think that that's Saturday night. Didn't feel like the fault of jirell He didn't look like he was one hundred percent. You know, it's just yeah, like
0: he was very clearly not.
1: Yeah, this is one of the. I think that there was even a point where he carried the ball, and it was pretty clear. It's like, okay, don't like twenty one. Probably shouldn't touch the ball again today. You know, like it. He's just not right. And so we'll like you can kind of cut him some slack there over these last two weeks. But man, I mean, they just they can't get anything going. The number of times that they get into a situation where they get first and ten and then lose a yard, or it's like, or you have second and six and then you lose two yards. You know, and now all of a sudden it's third and eight. You're facing third and long. And then right there, you're playing right into the defense's hands.
0: Yeah, and that was, I think that's the bigger frustration. Because if you're able to run the ball, teams can't double cover Hutchinson because they have that extra safety, that bonus defender that they could just put on number eight. They have to put him in the box. And then all of a sudden, now you have to single cover Xavier Hutchinson, which that becomes open and everything else becomes open. So the fact that they can't run the ball is a bigger problem than what Deckers is getting, you know, when he gets frustrated and forces things in there. And I think the it's hard to see, like with the passing game, even if you're just watching film, like actual true game film of the passing game, you're going to watch it from the sideline because it's easier to see where all the protections and cover or not protections, where all the coverages and routes are. But the running game, you can't watch anything from the sideline because it's all just a mess. You have to watch it from the end zone cam. And I don't have access to that. And I don't think you have access to watching that, like the actual butt shot of what the play art plays are. So it's really hard to say the exact, Hey, this is the offensive line's fault, or this is the running backs fault, or this is whatever. But what it looks like is that the same thing we talked about. And I think Dion Silas is getting better at it, but he's still not good at it is they don't run, especially without the tight ends. They've had to get away from a true, like they would be able to run gap scheme stuff last in years past because you have chase allen and so gap scheme meaning we're going to run through the d gap or wherever we're going to run through the c gap this is this is where the play is going to hit so we're going to open everybody around this particular gap it's like old school
1: zone. old school 43 power shit like that yeah, yeah
0: 43 power 21 iso it's we're going through this gap because this is where the play is going to go and we're going to make everything work and if this doesn't work then we have bounce you bounce or you cut back or whatever versus a zone scheme is everybody's going to block to their right And then the running back is going to find where the hole opens. So they've had to switch to more zone scheme than they normally have been because they don't have a chase Allen there to straight up, just mush somebody out of the way. Uh, And in order for zone scheme to work, your running backs and offensive line have to be exactly on the right time. I used this example last week. So, and it might not have been necessarily the best one, but if you're trying to cross water you need to and you're trying to keep your, you know, your your right hand dry, you put your left hand in the water and you put your right hand right behind it, and then you could move your hand across that stream and your right hand, the water will flow around it. But if you are a little bit if your right hand is a little bit ahead or behind your left hand, then the water that's supposed to be parted is running right into you. And now it's a really weird way of describing it, but holes only open in zone schemes for very short times, and they the running back has to. Be where he's supposed to be at the time he's supposed to be there in order for that to work. Jirel can see that, but he's not been healthy enough to get to it for the past couple weeks. And against Baylor, uh, again, I think it's a little bit different because was it Ika the big yeah, defensive so tackle? They're, like they're front's they just, just
1: really good. Their yeah. front's
0: really good. The, Baylor the, just beat Iowa State up front. It was just not. It wasn't necessarily a fair fight. But without Jirel, Silas and Sanders aren't able to time out where they should be at the time they're supposed to be there. So when they do that, you see Deion Silas pop one for like 12 yards or make a pretty decent run for like six or seven. But when he's not there on time, like a a way of thinking about blocking, again, I have mentioned it before, one of the reasons why linemen get hurt more than everybody else does is because they're not watching the ball. They just have to trust that the person they're blocking for is in the space where they think they're blocking. Because in order for me to block you, I have to stand between you and where the ball is. But I if I can't see the ball, I have to trust that I'm going to get between you and where the ball should be. If the ball's not where it should be, then it's going to look like I'm screwing up because if I'm standing again, if I'm standing where you between where you where I think the ball is and you, but the ball is over my left shoulder 45 degrees, that guy can just run straight to the ball and it looks like a missed block because the timing is. That running back needs to be at a certain point at a certain time, and he's not. That's, I think, where the zone scheme starts to run into trouble. And again, Cartavius Norton sees that. Deion Silas sees, not Deion Silas, uh, Gyro Brock sees that. They can get to those positions and run effectively, but neither one of them is healthy. Silas doesn't see that yet, although he's getting a little bit better, and Sanders doesn't see it pretty much at all. So how do you improve this running game if is not going to be healthy. We have no idea when Norton is going to be back. And Silas and Sanders aren't necessarily, uh, like they're not hitting everything right, is you might have to pare down the number of runs that you want to run. Because let's say that your playbook is 25 runs deep. I don't know. And let's say that Sanders, when you run, plays A, B, C, D, and E. He gets it. He nails it. He's kind of on time, but then plays F through whatever why those plays he doesn't see as well and is off time and everything's wrong you might not be able to run plays f through y like you might if those guys are the only ones that are going to be able to play you might have to drop the number of runs that you're able to even call because of those guys not being able to execute it on time because you can't practice it enough for them to learn it that fast because I don't think the plan was ever to play Deion Silas as a primary down back this mm. year. Like he's probably got one or two more years of learning before he can understand how that's the same thing with uh, Eli Sanders. These guys are still developmental. And when you talk about developmental, that's what you're developing. So I think the, the way to fix the running game might be again, pare down how much you're actually able to call. If you're going to be able to run, if you're going to have to run zone scheme. And if not, do you bring in Stevo Klotz as, cause he, the kid can block. He doesn't really. He doesn't scary as a pass catcher, but well, do you he had bring a nice, in...
1: nice kick return the other night.
0: Yeah, that was a smart play, long with a fullback. Uh, but do you bring him in as more of a an off tight end? Jared Russ becomes a down tight end, and then you kind of like sort of get into your twelve personnel that you had last year and go back to running your more gaps scheme stuff that you had with Chance and Chase. Um, maybe, but. He, you still don't have a good answer for the running game if these running backs can't get to the timing. So, yeah, I think you might just have to cut the playbook down to be able to run what they can comfortably run because it ain't working now. And timing, to me, again, I can't see the butt shot, but to me, timing is the problem that the line's doing their best to block the play that should be there, but the running back's not in the place that he should be, and everything falls apart from there.
1: Yeah, this has been one of the rare times in this uh, since Campbell's been here that it, it does not feel like the offensive line is the issue, like at any really at any level. The false starts, though, man. The false God. start that Dar- that Daryl Sim- that that Daryl Simmons had after Decker's ran for twenty plus looked and he was being really decisive. He was making good decisions, and then all of a sudden, Daryl Simmons gets called for a, a a false start, and it's first and fifteen. I mean, that was backbreaking. Like that's the kind of stuff
0: can't happen. Can't have it. Can't have it. That was, I mean, and so those are the, the, the only stuff, you know, I try, I I mentioned earlier, like I try and keep my emotions in check when you're watching because emotions get you beat point blank, plain and simple. The stuff that does get me really mad are pre-snap penalties because there ain't a damn reason on earth that you should have a false start ever under any circumstance there is not an excusable way the only time that i could even maybe almost see being okay with it is if it's like first and 10 from the minus one and if you false start the ball moves back like six inches but if they get a neutral zone infraction then it ball goes five yards and it's a big difference and like you go a hard, super hard count and if you think a guy flinches then you react to try and get the referees to, like that's even that's the only time that I can maybe think that it's understandable to have a false start but outside of that that's a stupid penalty and Kansas State's defense is good enough and Iowa State's offense has had a hard enough time moving the ball they were first in 15 or more on three of the drives they had in the in like critical crucial times towards the end of the first half and into the second half and it's just like you you have to. I don't know if if I don't know how much worse Simmons, how much worse Ross is than Simmons. But if that's going to continue happening, I don't know if you you might have to rotate Ross in more because that's a that is an easily one hundred percent correctable mistake. That's the that was super frustrating because it's not like they had a ton of penalty yards. They just where they happened were absolute just nut kicks.
1: Yeah, it was rough. All right, switch things over. I don't think there's as much to say about the defense. They played a hell of a football game.
0: I think uh, Anthony Johnson. Anthony Johnson might have had his best game as a Cyclone.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, I, that kid is special. That guy is special. I mean, he just he that play that he made to to run down Philip Brooks or uh, whichever one it was. Philip Philip Brooks or Malik Knowles, whichever one it was, to run him down. Malik and punch, Yeah, and punch the ball out at the goal line. I mean, I I watched that play three or four times. When when Knowles caught the pass, which was a horrible throw by Adrian Martinez. There's no way that that should not have been a touchdown. I mean, the Knowles had to come to a complete stop to be able to catch the ball, and uh, Anthony was not even in the picture when he caught the football. He's 20 yards behind the play, and he caught it. Like that's just that's like pure hustle and heart too. That's just like making a decision that I'm not giving up anything easy here.
0: You know? And I think the, the other thing you have to credit, too, is Colby Reader recovered that ball. Yeah. Why would he have any reason to try and chase the play down? Does Colby Reader think that he's going to run down Malik Knowles from a linebacker position? No. But hustle. That's not giving up on the play. Mm-hmm. Anthony Johnson, y- you would think as a safety, you're like, all right, I'm going to go try and make this play. That's like understandable, like a, like within the realm of even if he's not a super hustle guy, which he is, then you're like, all right, I'll still go do it. But Colby Reader also busting his ass to be around the play. Malik Knowles could have recovered that ball. And then that the whole like Jairo Brock against Baylor thing happens where you fumble on the way into the end zone, but recovered in the end zone, still touchdown, all's fair, whatever. But Reader being there to be able to outfight Knowles for the ball, that's the other half of this play that like, that's a huge, huge, just, compliment to effort on ev- for everybody on the defense that like, again, Anthony Johnson able to, to run down one of the fastest dudes in the conference, even though I think he let up a little bit. Like, I thought he did a tried to, oh yeah you know, he, thought he,
1: he thought he was tired kill. Like he was going to uh-huh. give him, give him the peace sign. Yeah.
0: I think he tried to like show off cause he was started to like veer towards the student section. So I yeah. thought, I think that he wanted to like get in the end zone and sort of like wave you know, like not to see. he wasn't going to drop the ball, but he was going to like sort of, you know, uh p- pony up a little bit in front of the student section and kind of like veer back towards your bench being like, ha ha, look how good I am. I just beat your whole team. And then you do the dumbest possible thing and get the ball fumbled on the one yard line and lose a touchdown and the opponent recovers. And then you have to walk in front of the student section on the way back to your bench after having done that. So I think he slowed down a bit. But like that's a, a poetic justice moment. But yeah, props to Anthony Johnson and Colby Reader to be, for being able to make that play happen.
1: Those guys were just running to the football, man. I mean, they had they held Kansas State to 18 rushing yards uh, before their last drive of the second half or the, of the first half, where they got they had 30 on a couple of runs by Martinez when they were in like first and second and really long. Uh, 18 rushing yards to start the game for Kansas State. Uh, the blitz that Iowa State called on uh the delayed blitz where colby reader came through basically untouched and hit adrian martinez and martinez uh threw the ball down the field to turn into an 80 yard touchdown perfectly called i mean i it, like i don't know that that could have been any better timed it worked out exactly how you wanted to you just got to get the guy on the ground i mean like that's what w- it comes down to
0: i wonder if uh a roughing the passer situation made him deflect a little bit from what normally he would approach that you know like you have you have an absolute tee off opportunity and if you just kill the quarterback you know shoulder shoulder pad to belly button and you just kill the quarterback then that turns and they, they call you for roughing that turns it from a whatever 12 yard loss to a 15 yard first down and so I wonder if he was sort of trying to peel off so he didn't get an absolute just smoke the quarterback hit. But at the same time, you you still gotta get him to the ground. I mean, it was yeah.
1: It's just bad luck
0: kind of too. It's bad but, luck. I mean, yeah. you have to you have to do that. And also props to I mean, Adrian Martinez is a strong dude, mm-hmm. clearly. So props to him for making that play happen. But I think, you know, I, I wonder if Reeder was trying to, you know, he had been conditioned to not, because of the roughing the passer penalties that have been called in the past, to not absolutely just break martinez's spine on a free runner from nowhere but i don't know that was yeah that's i would say you know there's basically two plays that happened i think it was a 60 the Knowles play was maybe 60 something yards and that was 81 yards so you used to track those yards out what was it kansas state had 388 yards subtract 140 of those because that's two plays and they had 240 yards of offense and really couldn't do much except that those two big two plays. And then when they had to run the clock out, they were able to run the clock out at the end of the game. So really well, that's
1: the only, it's probably about time Adrian Martinez won some games that he shouldn't. <laughs> he, he he only went through four years of losing every game that he should have won.
0: Yeah. I mean, good for him, I guess,
1: but yeah, I guess, I don't know, I guess. Uh, all right. I got a couple other notes here really quick. Uh, Will McDonald uh, got into some interesting situations where Kansas State must have had some serious miscommunication issues. Uh, the first sack that he got, they slid their protection all to the other way. Uh, the right tackle didn't block anyone, and that left Will McDonald one on one with the left tackle, and he— ba- I mean, like that's like a turnstile at that point when you got Will McDonald one on one on third down. Like, good luck. And then uh, on his second one, he was completely unblocked. No one touched him. He was even confused that no one blocked him, <laughs> and then he went and sacked Adrian Martinez at like. Full speed, you know, It was one of those things where he got through the line and kind of like, like kind of froze up like, damn, like, why am I running through here completely unimpeded? And then it's like, you know, number both number nines knew exactly what was going to happen after that. Uh, Tyler Perkins, really good game for him. I feel like he's made some strides uh, in the punting game. Uh, I, I noted that. And then the last thing I wrote down, the kickoff that Kansas State ran where the guy bounced it at the one yard line and Miles Purchase picked it up and got tackled at, like, the nine. Like, that's crazy. The odds of that ever working and, like, actually working exactly how it did is so slim. And I know some people were criticizing the special teams on that. I don't know if I fault Miles. It's like, what are the odds the ball's going to hit at the one-yard line and check up that way?
0: Well, yeah, okay, so let me... I you got to catch
1: the ball, but it's like you assume the ball's going in the end zone if it's going to bounce at the one-yard line, you know? So
0: one of the things that, like, uh what i mean ultimately it's again the the offense not working right cost iowa state the game against kansas we know that but also special teams were really really bad against kansas one week later you're playing historically probably the best special teams program in the country and you win special teams outside of that one that one kickoff you win special teams that is objective improvement off of what happened last week and how does that happen good coaching. It's just approaching, making mistakes, improving it and learning and making it better from one to the next. Um, th- I would imagine that miles purchase is now or whomever else. If he stays back there as the returner, I would imagine he would be, uh, whoever is the returner. The rule now that I, that I imagine they're going to have is if you're in doubt, fair, catch it, catch the ball. Even if that's one yard deep in the end zone, because i think the the thing that he probably thought that was going to do is he probably thought it was just going to keep carrying and it didn't but if you were to fair catch that and just receive the ball it's the same thing as a touchback so i would imagine the adjustment they're going to make now from this situation going forward is when in doubt fair catch it call it good because yeah I, that is you not got, a you good got to situation tip your cap
1: to the catcher too or the kicker too it's like sh- shit man good kick good kick you know like you put it right where you needed to put it, <laughs> it yeah, is, yeah yeah it is what it is so
0: I just think like the special teams has gotten better. There was a drastic improvement from last week to this week. Obviously, again, Jace Gilbert hitting, nailing three field goals coming off of the week before, which we have to also like, I think it's necessary for us to talk about like the whole Campbell and the presser talking about how the, his quote of saying we had a fan base that was coming after the kid. Mm-hmm. And he comes out and hits three field goals.
1: I didn't ever feel like anyone was coming after the kid. I felt like they were coming after the coach for putting him in the situations that they were putting him in.
0: Yeah. Um, so that one, I don't know. I that one I don't know necessarily love the quote. Um, but I also uh I what I think that he's doing in that situation is the same thing that any parent would do for their child in that situation, which is whatever's going wrong when you feel like your kid is learning and developing is you're going to take all the arrows and slings and insults and whatever, and you're going to put them on yourself and not on them. And so I think that that's Campbell showing Gilbert. So he's not talking to the fan base there. I think he's talking to the kid through the media saying, Hey, I got you. I will take the shots for this. I'm going to turn everybody's, pissed offness to me and not on you. So I'm guessing that that's it might have been a heat of the passion thing. But I also think in his heart of hearts, I think what he's trying to do is just I'm a girl. I'm a grown man. I'm 40. You don't come well, after a kid. You come after me. Well, like, I, think, I think he's doing that.
1: I think, too, he was using it as a vehicle to bring up the the thing about all the former players reaching out, wanting Jace's number, you know, and gyro Brock talked after that Brock Purdy was one of those guys that reached out to him, reached out to Jace. you know, and it's like yeah you want to talk about somebody who understands i think that 15 probably gets it <laughs> you know yeah like uh speaking of which made his nfl debut yesterday when hey. took he took the knee for the 49ers uh Bree saw it almost 200 yards of total offense man miss miss those guys
0: when's charlie uh, coming back by the way um, i'm
1: not sure i think he's still in the ir right now uh when does the ir, IR run out like week eight i think Six
0: or eight or something like that.
1: Yeah, getting pretty close. Um, All right, let's look. think about Texas here for a little bit. 49 to nothing against Oklahoma on Saturday. Man, the the Sooners are down. Bad. Bad. Like, had six different guys attempt to pass, and they threw for 39 yards in the entire entire game. Bad. Uh, How much weight should we put into this? Texas was talking about how it's time for their revenge tour. They got Quinn Ewers back. Everybody's feeling good vibes around the Longhorns, or is this just a case of the Sooners like really, really suck?
0: Well, I think over. I, I haven't looked up their statistics, but they gave up fifty-five to TCU, mm-hmm. and then turned around and gave up forty-nine to Texas. Yeah, like I think Oklahoma's. I, I'm I'm trying to like understand the thought process of the coaching staff, and I'm I I, I feel like this is my my default is to give people the benefit of the doubt that that things there is an intention to action or they're trying to i mean I, I know for a fact like everybody on earth is doing their best to do their best like they're not no one's actively out there you know what i want to be i want to be bad at my job for the sake of being bad at my job
1: a perfect exi- if- okay perfect example of this i saw a tweet yesterday i'm pulling it up right now uh this is from uh, charlotte wilder on twitter Quote, something that always blows my mind about sports is that you want to believe the people who make the decisions are doing galaxy brain stuff while you're doing normal brain stuff. But a lot of the time, you're just watching people in charge make bad choices.
0: Yeah, they're just, they're trying their best. It's just not working. Uh, And so I try, I'm, I'm (laughs) with Oklahoma's defense. Brent Venables, when he was at Clemson, he and John Haycock had gone back and forth like, Iowa State staff went to Clemson. Clemson staff came to Ames, and they were talking back and forth on how to implement this defense. And so for lack of a better term, Oklahoma runs Iowa State's defense. They just don't do it very well at all. And in order to run this scheme, you have to have guys that are willing to do – intentional things that do not benefit them whatsoever. You have to have a guy that's willing as a defensive lineman. They have to have a guy that's going to plug a gap. You have to have a safety that's willing to fill in the run game. You have to have a safety or a corner that's willing to carry a vertical defender, even though there's no purpose for, he's never going to get the ball. And in game, I mean, Alex Grinch had them getting better, but they still would play selfish football. I mean, Bradley, Radley, Is it, is it Bradley, Radley Hiles? Yeah, something like that. So Radley Hiles last year, he had what, like, he had what, like, 96 personal fouls. And so, like, that sort of encapsulates the I want to do what I want to do. And when you're running an aggressive defense like Alex Grinch does, you can kind of get away with that because talent is going to overrun it because you're going to get penetration with your defensive line or whatever. This defense isn't built like that. This defense is built on everybody's got to do their job. And I wonder if they're saying we need to do this and the guys aren't picking up on it and they're doing a little bit of fine, do it your own way. See how that works. And then being able to correct off of those mistakes, which would which would make sense if it was just the TCU game where you can use that as a teaching opportunity to be like, Hey, you remember when we told you that you got to get in the box and fill for the run and you didn't. And then TCU ran for 7,000 yards. Yeah. That's what happens if you don't. But then they come back and do it again against Texas. And it kind of throws that out the window where it can't really be that because mm-hmm. then they got it, their asses kicked again. So I don't understand how the defense is as bad as they are. I just, I don't understand. I have a bunch of guys that don't want to do it.
1: I don't understand the full sale, the, like the full sale decision to go wildcat. Like, yeah, we're just not going to throw the ball. I, I, you're the University of Oklahoma and you don't have a quarterback, a backup quarterback, who can throw the football, I find that really hard to believe. Kansas had a guy come in and throw three touchdown passes in the second half the other day and almost (laughs) win a game against a team you lost to. And you mean to tell me that the Oklahoma Sooners do not have a backup quarterback who can throw for more than 12 yards in a game? That there's no way. I know Lincoln Riley left y'all down bad, but come on, fellas. Gotta get somebody.
0: It's still. So hard. The running
1: backs throw at interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> just can't have it. Just can't have it in the rivalry game in the Red River game. Like how that's embarrassing, dude. If I imagine being an Oklahoma fan, I would sit there and I'd be like, "We don't even want to win. Like we don't even want to win."
0: If you're if you're going
1: do. out there with that it, with that sort of strategy, and then you want to sit there and say, "I saw Jeff Lubbe say, yeah, we just thought that maybe that would take some pressure off of people.' Who, who?" Yeah, I'm sure the quarter, the running back that you just put in quarterback and told him to throw a pass. I'm sure he really didn't feel any pressure whatsoever.
0: It's such a bad. It's yeah. Again, it's like I'm trying to understand. I, I want to jump in the head of the Oklahoma coaching staff and/or the players. Like, it's not working, guys. Who do you, like, who what, do y'all think
1: y'all are? The 2005 Miami Dolphins with Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams? Like, come on, man.
0: This ain't working. Something d- offensively, defensively. It ain't working. So, do you not at some point look in the mirror and go, "All right, well, got to do something different."
1: Yeah, I guess we're gonna find out. Maybe in two weeks we'll find out if the Sooners are gonna do anything different. Uh, Texas, though this this game's coming up Saturday, this makes me nervous. Uh, Thirteen oh, point yeah. spread. If if the sooner or if the Longhorns are on a revenge tour, like they say they are, which is, you know, up for debate. I think it up. Uh, You know, until we see a little bit more, but I mean, you know, they're gonna be fired up at home Saturday morning. uh, Got their asses kicked by Iowa State last year. Had the moment on the bus where the coach is screaming at them after the game because telling them that they quit and everything. This feels like a moment where a team like that's like, yeah, we got to make a statement today.
0: And at the same time. But at the same time, it could be a problem. Yeah. So uh, even I guarantee they're going to come into the game being like, man, remember what happened last year? Like they're going to show that Brees Hall touchdown five times in practice because it was bad fits. It was bad effort. It was just bad everything. And so they're for sure going to be coming in hot, heated, whatever. Iowa State's defense is going to be tested because this is a really good offense. But if and again, this is a huge if and we haven't seen it for the past little bit, but if Iowa State's offense is able to run in some reasonably efficient way, I still feel like Iowa State as it can match up across the board with Texas, despite the fact that, you know, you have all these stars, four stars, five stars everywhere. I still don't think that the football players are all that much better. So if they execute like they have at times this season, then... They'll be okay if they execute like they have the past couple of weeks. I don't know if this, if the defense drive after drive after drive can hold Texas to 10 points. Mm-hmm. So the offense is going to have to be more efficient. So again, I, do you simplify the running game? Do you give Decker's different, shorter reads that it's one, two and run? I mean, again, another thing that I'm, I don't understand is why he is averse to running. Um on pass plays. He'll
1: he'll on, keep the ball and run when it's right. like a read play, you know.
0: Right. But. So and I wonder I wonder if, and again, another thing if you had a complaint on Manning is perhaps so this is I, I know this for a fact. So when oh, Tom Herman was at Ohio State and Cardell Jones came in and they won the national title, Cardell Jones had His read was long, one long route. So they determined, you know, which side, like it is the same, the golden do the same thing, but he would never do a full field read. It would always be middle open, play this middle close, play that. And there, if there's two guys over there, or there's two guys that end up over there, maybe it's trips. And then there's one guy that ends up on the other side, whatever. There's a, a deep throw. There's a shallow throw. And if one isn't there and two, isn't there, run like that's that's all that matters one two run every single play is a two-person read run and i wonder if that wouldn't if something like that wouldn't also help hunter with all the things that he's going through rather than trying to say full field read all the way through because he doesn't when he's fresh and comfortable and confident he's able to do that when he's not then he he doesn't read anything and so if you shorten the read list and say one two run and if it's not there it's not there. Haul ass, get out of there. And uh I wonder if that's a if that's not something they're gonna consider is just shortening the amount of reads because it would keep him out of his own head more because there's less decisions to make. Um so yeah, I I, it, I think it's possible for this offense to get better, and I feel like it will. I just don't know when. And Texas is a, because their their offense is so good, I wonder I, I'm hopeful that the offense improves. And obviously the health of Norton, who warmed up but didn't play, and Brock, who warmed up and played a little bit the health of those two guys is going to make it a lot. Is going to make a big difference on what they can do in the running game against Texas.
1: All right, man, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Uh, hopefully a little bit better conversation going into, uh, into the bye week. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Whiffles hybrids for being the presenting sponsors of football and random things. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace.